the book of Exodus, beholds that nation enslaved by the Egyptians. The Hebrew slaves became too many for Pharaoh. Pharaoh kills, God responds. Moses encounters the great I am at the burning bush. God speaks. Israel's cries have been heard. The Lord sends blood and frogs and gnats and flies and death and locusts and boils and hail. Let my people go. Darkness. The Lord passes over the slaves by the blood of lamb, but takes the firstborn of Egypt. The exodus happens, the slaves are free. But Pharaoh's heart is hardened. His army pursues, they are trapped. The sea parts and the surging waters stand up like a wall. Pharaoh's chariots and horses are hurled into the sea by the Lord's mighty right hand. The Book of Exodus. We're going to be looking at the crossing of the Red Sea as we finish up, you know, this part of the story of Moses. You know, next week again, we're going to be looking at the, the Ten Commandments and all. You know, I was just thinking about it, you know, like um, at McKinley High School, you know, we're going to be doing the, the prayer walk. And as is important for the, as, as, you know, as, as important as the cleanup is, the prayer walk is really, really going to be important. There's a lot of things happening over there. And, um, uh, Micah, should I go run, see if you can find Bob? <clears throat> um, if he's in one of the bathroom stalls, will you yank him out after he washes his hands? But um, it's really, really important. Uh, there's a lot of things going on right there. Um, you know, what we're beginning to see in greater, greater ways is, you know, when we talk about, and, and hopefully, God willing, you know, that we'll begin to um, offer some, some, some classes, you know, growing kids God's way, just some parenting things. Because what we're seeing is um, the, really the effects of what <clears throat> Growing Kids talks about, child-centered parenting, where the children become the most important. They become the focal point of the family. And as good as that sounds, that's so damaging because you end up having children who think that the world and the universe revolves around them because they have you know, no other uh, uh, perspective because all their lives, um, you know, parents and everybody's doing everything for them. You know? And that's why like at potlucks and stuff like that, you know what, when we have potlucks, the, the grandmas and the grandpas go first. You know, then all the women go, then the men go. The last people to go to the potluck is the kids, you know, which is totally opposite. The reason we do that is because time hasn't made people equal. No more. <laughs> okay. If you see them, tell them that, um, you know. And so I, we're seeing the results and the effects, um, especially with the football team. I've never, ever, we've been helping the football team for 13 years. Never, ever had a situation like we're having this year where we have a group of about maybe three parents, primarily three mothers, who their, 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 their whole purpose in life right now is to get the coach fired. And, um, you know, they, they go to game, um, they go to the practices with their pencil and papers, they're writing down things, and they say, look, how come the offense had four water breaks and our son, who was on the defense, only had two. Why is it so unfair? I mean, just little itty-bitty things like that. We had one mom stop a drill. Okay, this is football. This isn't 
This isn't tennis, all right? Where we had a mom stop a drill and says, hey, you're making the, they're, they're hitting each other too hard. Okay? And, and we're seeing these kind of things. Um, I just heard at another high school where the coach calls up um, Pastor Kalchinin, Michael Chinin's dad, and, and tells him, says, hey, I need some prayer. Um, he had cut uh, a, a player because, you know, that before the season, they're for conditioning, they have to run a certain distance and run a certain amount of time. And uh, I, I don't know how long. It wasn't long. It was no more than a mile. And, you know, that's for conditioning purposes, for safety. This is something that they've done for years and years and years. And this one player said, no, I'm not going to do that. And so the coach had to cut him. Well, one day the coach gets called in, the VP, um, the mother of this boy, and the boy, they're there waiting for the coach. And the, um, they come to find out that they want the boy reinstated to the team. So the coach says, hey, you know the, you know the rules, the whole thing. What do you have to say? And he says, I'm a senior. I'm a senior. I, I don't need to do that. I can do what I want. Right? And it's like, what? I can do what I want. Yeah, the whole team doesn't, you know, the whole team's got to run, but I'm a senior. I don't, need to, I don't need to run. And so the coach says, you know, I appreciate you sharing, but, you know, that's the way it is. And we, we're a team. We all got to run. You know the rule. You've been here for three years now. He said, in six months, you're going to be on the other side of the line. You're going to be on my side of the line. And I tell you what, adulthood, you know, you're not going to be able to just do what you want all the time. And this is training for you. This is good for you. So, so with all res- due respect, you're still not a part of this team. And the coach said, you know what, but I can, let's go run now. And instead of doing the running back time, which is shorter, uh, well, I mean, you know, a short amount of time, you can do the lineman time. He did it, couldn't pass it, said, you know what, do it again. He's trying everything he can to help this guy make his time. And finally, the boy said, no, I don't have to do that. I'm not going to do this. A week later, coach gets called in again to the principal. The principal's there with the mama, and the principal tells the coach, hey, coach, reinstate her son. And so the coach said, pastor, I need prayer because I don't know what I'm going to do. Right? Personal opinion. That's ridiculous. You know? But that's what's happening today. You know, and um, our coach is getting calls every week. I mean, he's trying. We might be one of the, the, the least talented teams in the city, in the, in the, in, on the island. We might be the worst record-wise on the island. And he's trying his best. And, and, and yet this, this stuff is going on. And so... This is really a perfect time for us to pray because it's not just the football team. This is, this is the whole school, you know, that there's something happening and, and there's an entitlement going on that is just really, really disturbing and, and it's just disheartening to me because this is one of those nobody wins, right? If that boy from that school gets to play, you know what? Everybody still loses, you know, so... I want to encourage you, come out, let's pray for McKinley High School. Let's see God do something 
let's see God transform this school. You know, that's what we've been praying. There's a meeting on Wednesday, if you guys remember, um, you know, with all this stuff going on, there's a meeting on Wednesday. Be praying. The, the, coach is gonna be, the coach is gonna be there. The principal's gonna be there. I believe Bob's gonna be there. And um, the parents are gonna be there. So, so be praying. You know, I, I, I told Bob, I told the coach, Coach, if you want me to come, I'll go. You know, I would love to go to that meeting, but they're probably not going to allow me to go. So, all right, so be praying for that. I mean, really, really important. I say all that, and I think that's the world we live in. And the Bible is relevant to the world we live in, you know, that there are things that God wants to share with us, that God wants us to apply in our lives because he wants us he wants us to be agents to bring about change, you know, eternal change. But it starts right here um, in the world in which we live in. And so when we look at the crossing of the Red Sea today, um, you know, this is, this is a real pivotal part of, of the book of Exodus. Some people say this is like the pinnacle of, of Exodus, the book of Exodus, that as, you know, that short video talked about, after all these plagues, Finally, you know, there's the, the, the last plague where it's the, you know, the death of all the firstborn, whether it be the children, um, animals, whatever. Uh, Pharaoh's own son dies, and his Pharaoh said, that's it, leave. And so they're finally allowed to leave, and uh, they're headed out, right? They're finally free to Pharaoh and the Egyptians, and, and they cross, they miraculously cross the Red Sea. And... Um, how big a miracle is that? Is that, you know, you're talking about, I don't know how long two and a half to three and a half million people would take, but I, I'm, I'm sure it took a little while. You know, I don't, I don't think it was like, all right, we're done, you know? And it was a huge miracle, but it wasn't easy. And we're going to talk about that, you know? And, and we all face challenges in life. You know, if you have faced a whole bunch, we have faced a whole bunch of crazy challenges since we started this church. But, you know, it just seems like in those seemingly impossible situations, that's where we see God's hand move in a powerful way. You know, I, can, I think back when we just got started and we were at McKinley High School and we could be there three uh, weeks out of the, the month and one, month, or one week we couldn't be there. And good old Tammy Oyadamari-chan, you know, she's... Hustling, we're trying to find um, places. To, we met at Stevenson. We met at um, McCoy Pavilion. You know, we did all kinds of stuff, you know. And it's like, man, I can't imagine having to do that again. You know, that was like crazy. Um, two Easter's ago, uh, we weren't going to be able to go in till early the Sunday morning. And all these little things and, and some even bigger things. And... When we look at those situations, it's like we, there's no way we can make this happen. And then God comes through in a real supernatural, miraculous kind of ways. And as we look at how God led the Israelites to freedom through the Red Sea, just let the Holy Spirit speak to you that whatever situation you're in, that he's the same God that he was in the book of Exodus. That's the same God that we worship today. You know, the same God who got Moses and all those people out of Egypt, that's the same God that we have today. And so let your faith grow. I believe that God wants our faith to grow this morning. And especially if you're in a really, really difficult time, God wants to encourage you, right? 
And so you got your bulletins, there's some notes you can follow along. First thing is, there's the problem. What's the problem? After um, all these plagues, you know, they, they're finally permitted to leave. They, they head out. They go from slavery to freedom. For the first time in 400 years, they're going to be free. We read in Exodus 14, verse 8, that um, as they're heading out, they have their fists raised in defiance, rejoicing in their new freedom. It's like, man, free at last, yeah. You know, they're excited heading out of Egypt. And it was a great day. It is something that all of them would never forget. Because after 400 years, they're finally free. And then they encounter this problem. And that's how problems usually come up. Suddenly a problem comes up. And it's not just a small problem like someone forgot their cell phone back in Egypt. I mean, for some of you, that's like big, but no, not, nothing like that. Something life-threatening. We read in Exodus 14, verse 5, when the word reached the king of Egypt that the Israelites had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their mind. What have we done letting all our slaves get away? You know, that's our workforce, man. So Pharaoh harnessed his chariot and called up his troops. He took with him 600 of Egypt's best chariots, all right? Along with the rest of the chariots. So he said, no, we got to bring these, we got to get those guys back. They're coming back dead or alive. They're coming back, all right? And so he harnesses that. He took with him all these things. And, and the Lord had hardened his heart, the heart of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, so that he chased after the people of Israel. Changed his mind, who had left with their fists raised in defiance. Egyptians chased after them with all the forces of Pharaoh's army, all his horses, his chariots, his charioteers, and his troops. Now, here's the crazy thing, right? They, they didn't go, you know, armed. They just, we're free, excited, woohoo! And all of a sudden, now Pharaoh's going to chase them. Interesting to note that there's a map that I want to show you guys that the shortest route to where they're headed it's kind of north, all right? No map. No map. Oh, hey, map. Hey, they're here. They're heading up there with the promised land, right? And the fastest way is to go up, right? But God kind of takes them down, down around here. They're going to go down here. They're going to go all the way around. You know, they're going to cross the Red Sea over there. Okay, because they're going to be encamped right here. But why would God not take them on the shortest route? Well, part of it is because if you look at that top part right in here and all this, the wilderness are sure, you know, there's the Philistines and there's some other nations up there, and they're kind of strong. And the, the Israelites wouldn't be strong enough as they head out of Egypt to, 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 to deal with those nations, you know, especially like the Philistines. And so God takes them south, longer way around. But, but, you know, there's some things that he needed them to learn along the way. And, and with God, the process is always just as important, if not more important, than the product. You know, it's what we learn along the way, which is just as important, maybe even more important, than when we finally get to where we're going. And you think about your life, when we have a problem, the solution of the problem is important, but the process from where you are to the solution 
That's the really important part. That's where we learn. That's where we grow. And so they're, they're headed along this thing, the, the route, and they're, they're encamped now, and there's mountains on the side, there's the Red Sea in the front, and then there's Pharaoh coming up with his army in the back, right? And it's a dead end. And literally, they're, they're between a rock and a hard place. That's where they are, okay? And, you know, have you ever been in a place, in a situation like that? Have you ever been in a place where you're like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm really between a rock and a hard place right now? You know, being a Christian doesn't insulate or it doesn't, we're not immune from experiencing problems and challenges. You know, unfortunately, we still live in a sin-affected world. Struggles, difficulties continue. And at times, they even increase as you're a Christian because like the Israelites, we have an army, we have an enemy who's chasing us. Once we become a Christian, there's an enemy called Satan. He's going to chase us. He doesn't want to let us go. And in the story of the Moses and the Red Sea, you know, Pharaoh is, is, is like the enemy, our enemy Satan. He don't want to let us go, you know. Egypt is like, is where we live. We're, we're in bondage to sin. And Jesus came to get us out of that. You know, Moses is like a type of Jesus to, re, to free us from bondage and, our, and then the, you know, the oppression of our enemy and to get us free from that. And a lot of times when you're a Christian, um, stuff happens because the enemy doesn't want to let you go, you know? And what makes Moses' story about the Exodus so powerful is that it really is this picture for us to really see um, our salvation from sin, you know? That sin is this wicked taskmaster that wants to enslave us, keep us in bondage. Addiction, great. You know? Depression, great. You know? Whatever it is, anger, whatever, great. Because if you continue to be angry, what's going to happen? You're going to grow a root of bitterness, and it's going to defile all the people around you. Great! You see? And, and, And there's this enemy. And what this story of the exodus from Egypt is all about, it's, that's our story and God's story for us that he wants us out. And that's why he sent Jesus to come and die for us. And so there's this problem. They're right there. They're looking around. There's no place for us to go. There's no place for us to go. What did they do? Okay. What did the Israelites do? No, Reds, we can't, we can't swim that far. You know, I'm just... I'm just a junior lifeguard, man. I can't swim that far. Look behind. Oh, no. We can't. We're stuck. What did they do? Second thing is this. The people's response, they panic. They panic. They did exactly what we often do in those situations. We just panic. Verse 10. As Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. They cried out to the Lord, and they said to Moses, Why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? You know, why? You know, weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? I don't think so. We said, leave us alone. We love being slaves. Slaves good. We like that. It's better than being to be a slave in Egypt than being a corpse 
in the wilderness. And so they panicked, right? They panicked. They seen God do all these miraculous things, these plagues, every one of them. Saw them with their own eyes. But that wasn't enough. They still panicked. Panic is a sudden, unreasonable, un- unreasoning, hysterical fear, often spreading quickly. To which we can say, totally understandable, right? You're finally headed out, and all of a sudden, here's, the, here's Pharaoh and his army, and they're not really happy, and they're coming after you, right? Kind of understandable to think, well, what are we going to do, you know? And isn't that what we do so often, right? When we're in a tough situation, we panic. We love to point the finger because we got to find someone to blame, right? That's what they're doing, right? That, that we think irrationally. We forget about all the things God has done. It's so easy to do that. We, for all the, and then, but God, here's the amazing thing. But God in his loyal and stubborn love, his hesed love, I love that Hebrew word, that his hesed love, which is that, that, that loyal, stubborn, unfailing love that God has, that God in his hesed, loyal, stubborn love exhorts the people, doesn't lift his hand from the situation, he's in control, he has the power to deliver, and he's going to speak words of faith and provide a way of escape through Moses, all right? And that's the amazing thing, right? God could have said, like, you people, you know what? I'm going to start all over. You know what? Die. After all I did, die. You know, right? No. He says, no. So what is God's response, three? What was God's word to the people? Overcome with fear. They're panicking. What is God's word? See, I told you. No. First thing is this. He says, don't be afraid. Do not be afraid afraid. Verse 13, Moses answered the people. They're like, hey, well, you brought us out here. We love being slaves, and now we're going to die, and you did this to us, and all this. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm, and you will see the deliverance of the Lord. Some of your Bibles say the salvation of the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. Right, how true that was going to be. It says, do not be afraid. When you find yourself in a situation between a rock and a hard place, God says to you, do not be afraid. It's the same thing the angel told the Virgin Mary when she learned she was with child. Same thing Jesus told his disciples when they're in the boat in the middle of that great big storm. They all think they're going to drown. Same word, do not be afraid. You know, um, it's the same thing that the angel told Mary when you know, she went to the empty tomb, and, and she was like, well, what's going on? And it's the same thing that he says to you today. He says, do not be afraid. You may not understand the circumstances. You can't see the way out, but don't worry. I'm still in control. Don't be afraid. Stand firm, you know? I don't know if this is true. I just read this. Someone once said that there's 366 times in the Bible that the Bible admonishes us, don't be afraid. You know, one for every day of the year, including leap year, uh, you know, leap year, right? And that, to me, was so encouraging to think that every day, every single day, God has a promise for us. God has an exhortation to us. Don't be afraid. Okay, tomorrow, don't be afraid. Next day, don't be afraid. Look, 
I know UH lost 63 to 3, but you know what? Don't be afraid. Next week's going to be better. You know, 63 to 10. I don't know. Just <clears throat> fear is, is when we can't see God through our circumstances, right? That's fear, right? When we can't see God through our circumstances. Faith is when we see our circumstances, but we see them through God. And that's what God is working in our hearts. That, you know, fear is when we just can't see God through, you know, through all the circumstances. God wants us to grow us in faith where we would see our circumstances. You know, it's not like we're going to ignore them. But our circumstances are there, but we see them through God. People look, nope, 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 nope. But there was one more direction. God wanted them to look up. God wanted them to look up. He exhorts the people through Moses, do not be afraid. Just stand firm. Stand firm. And you're going to see the deliverance of the Lord today. All the guys that are chasing after you, you'll never see them again ever. Right? And then he says, do not be afraid. Second thing he says is just be still. Just be still. Verse 14, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. What an amazing promise. You don't got to be afraid because God's going to deliver you. And now all you have to do is be still because he's going to fight for you, you know. And I tell you what, that's an amazing promise, but that's also a gigantic challenge, right? Because when you're between a rock and a hard place, the last thing you want to do is be still. If you're like me, that's the last thing you want to do. That everything inside of you says you got to do something, right? It's like when you're stuck, it's like, I got to do something, you know. Let's... Let's, let's make a human raft and maybe we can, you know, or something. You know, we've got to do something ridiculous. We start thinking of all kinds because we're panicking. We think of all kinds of things. And in the midst of all those things, God is saying, hey, do not be afraid. Just be still. I'm going to fight for you. I'm going to fight for you. And then he says, watch and see. Just watch and see. Don't be afraid. Just be still, because I, the Lord your God, will fight for you. He say, open your eyes. He says it twice in this passage. He says, he says watch, and you're going to see the deliverance of the Lord today. Second thing he says, don't be afraid. Be still, because you're going to see the Lord fight for you. And what an amazing thing that, that, that all we have to do he said, God, I'm going to trust you. There's nothing I can do really here because there's no options for me. But you say, don't be afraid because you're going to deliver me. All right. Don't do anything stupid. Just be still because watch me. I'm going to, I'm going to fight for you. All I'm asking you to do is trust me and watch and see what I'm going to do. And how great is that? How great is that that we, if we could, you know, if we could just grab hold and walk in that? And when we look at what God was doing, we look back just a little bit, and we see like there's these three huge things that God had done. The first thing in Exodus 14 verse 19, they see with their own eyes, they see a pillar. Of cloud, right? They see a pillar, they see a cloud, they see a pillar that's made of a cloud. 
And the cool thing is this cloud moves, this pillar moves, right? Um, the angel, the angel of God, who had been leading the people of Israel, moved to the rear of the camp, and the pillar of the cloud also moved from the front and stood behind them. The cloud settled between the Egyptians and the Israelite camp, and a darkness fell. The cloud turned to fire, lighting up the night. That's pretty cool. But the Egyptians and the Israelites did not approach each other all night. See, God didn't give them a map. God didn't give them compass, GPS, or anything like that. God gave them a cloud. And the cloud was to serve two purposes. The cloud was to guide them. And you kind of know it's God because God says, I'll give you this cloud. And the cloud's going to move. That's kind of cool. Right? It's to guide them, but it's also to protect them. Right? You're chasing an enemy, and also this cloud, fire, and all this. Like, whoa, what is that? And that pillar of cloud kept them safe from the Egyptians. They saw the pillar of cloud. The next thing they saw was what? The amazing thing. They saw the Red Sea part. Verse 21. Moses raised his hand over the sea, and the Lord opened up a path through the water with a strong east wind, and the wind blew all night, turning the seabed into dry land. So the people of Israel walked through the middle of the sea on dry land with walls of water on each side. Man, I would love to have been there. Wouldn't that be cool? Right? I know what me and Vern would be doing. Oh, check that fish. I'll be grabbing fish along the way, man. That's the easiest fish. Like, yeah, oh, no. Vern, you take the Hinalea. I don't want the Hinalea. I think I'm like, oh, you're just grabbing fish. Lobster. Who cares if the month doesn't have an, you know, whatever. But, you know, just, that'd be like the greatest thing, right? And, and they see, they see this, this, this large body of water do something that large bodies of water just don't do. You know? And God said, don't be afraid. Just be still. Watch and see. And he saw the Red Sea open up and to allow them through. They saw with their own eyes, pillar of cloud. They saw with their own eyes something that is just unbelievable. They saw the Red Sea part. And then... They saw with their own eyes their enemy defeated. In verse 23, the Egyptians, all of Pharaoh's horses, chariots, charioteers, chased them in the middle of the sea. They said, all right, they're going through. Shoot, let's go. And they went. And then all of a sudden, you know, things were happening. The Lord twisted their chariot wheels, making their chariots difficult to drive. Then they figure out, you know what, we better get out of here. We better get out of here. The Lord is fighting, um, fighting for them, right? Exactly what he told the Israelites he would do. And they try to get out, you know, all the Israelites pass through. God says, all right, raise your hand over the sea. And the waters rush back into his usual place. And the Egyptians tried to escape, but the Lord swept them into the sea. And it says, it ends with, of all the Egyptians who chased the Israelites into the sea, not a single one survived. God says, do not be afraid. Don't be afraid. That I'm going to deliver you today. Just be still. I'm going to fight for you. He said, in fact, you know what? All the guys who are chasing you today, you won't ever see them again. And they saw all that happen. They saw that with their own eyes. They saw that with their own eyes. That, that what started out as this hopeless situation, you know, where they were literally between a rock and a hard place, turned into this unforgettable testimony of God's faithfulness. God made the impossible happen. God made the impossible happen. And that's what 
a miracle is. It's the impossible happening. Do not be afraid. Just be still. Watch and see. Because you're going to see my deliverance today. You know, the enemies that are chasing you, you won't ever see them again. I'm going to fight for you. I'm going to fight for you today. So just be still. Watch and see what I'm going to do. You see, we all experience situations where between a rock and a hard place, you know. And, and when you're there, hear him. And you might be there right now. Hear him say to you, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. You can trust me because I'm the same God who delivered the people out of Egypt. I'm the same God. I was there for them. I'm there for you. Don't be afraid. Open your hearts. Open your ears. Open your eyes. And let them say to you, as, and hear what he says to you. You know, all you need to do is just be still. Just stay calm. I'm here. I will fight for you. The same God who fought the Egyptians, the same God who delivered Israel out of Egypt, I am that same God, and I will fight for you. See, that's the God we gather here to worship. He knows the challenges you face. And it was a good reminder for me, because I saw, when I heard all that was happening at McKinley, started to panic. The coach, I saw the coach on Friday, and, and, I, and the coach called me, I'm so glad you're here. And he shared all this stuff. And he says, and you know what else? That they're even looking and they're, they're questioning the visualization thing that, that we do uh, during the week with the boys. They're saying, why do the boys have to go to this meeting and the coaches don't even have to go? Why, why, why do they have to go? What's being said to them, you know? And they said, you know, do we need to go to the superintendent and all that? I, 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 told, I told the coach, coach, just send them to Tammy Chun. Anyway, but I said, you know, <laughs> I said, you know do we have to go to, you know, there's separation of church and state and all this stuff, right? Here's the craziest thing. This just blew my mind. Those parents, those mamas who's hell-bent to seeing that coach fired, who's questioning water breaks, stopping drills, who's saying, hey, what are, what are those guys doing in this meeting that our boys are forced to go? Right? They were here when we blessed the team. I know at least two of them go to church. I know two of them go to churches that I know, and I know they're following Jesus. The churches are following Jesus. You know? And when I heard all this, I just like, now, what's going on? And immediately, what I was, so you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to call up, I'm going to call up Mr. Takamori. I'm going to call up Mr. Takamori, and we gotta, I got, we gotta start doing something, right? And the Lord said, "Hey, um, aren't you talking about something similar this week?" I said, "Gotta do something." <laughs> right? You know? Didn't I say, "Do not be afraid"? I know, God, but that's for Vern and Neil and Pat and those guys. I mean, this is, this is, this is bad. They didn't, they didn't, aren't you going to talk about do not be afraid because the Lord's going to deliver? Aren't you going to talk about you just got to be still because I'm going to fight for you. 
I know who God, but this is different. It ain't different. And it's just so funny to me. Sometimes when you hear God and you sense God leading you to the message that you're going to share on Sunday, it's really for you, right? which is how it should be. We all go through tough times. I know how it feels. Man. It's like I, even now I want to go do something. But God says, do not be afraid because I'm going to deliver you. Just be still because I'm going to fight for you. Watch and see because I'm going to show you with your own two eyes who I am, what I can do, and just how much I love you. That's God's message to us. So if you're in that place, be encouraged today. Be encouraged today. And, and don't be like me. Because even this morning, I said, I got to talk to Tammy this morning. Because <laughs> Tammy works with DOE. Talk to Tammy. No. Do not be afraid. Just be still. Watch and see. What God gonna do? Yeah. Why don't you stand? Ask you guys to pray for me. <laughs> Thank you for all being here and being so patient while God spoke to me this morning. But if you're in a similar situation, you know what? Let's learn together. All right. If you have a friend or someone you know going through a tough situation, you know, just just let them know that you understand and just pray for them. All right. But if you're in that situation, let's just pray. God wants to increase our faith this morning. The only way he's going to increase our faith is if we open up our hands and our hearts and we ask him to. He's not going to just push it on us. Right? So if you want more faith so that you don't have to be afraid, you can just be still and you can just have the pleasure of watching and seeing what God's going to do, just ask God. God, I need faith. You know, there might be a whole bunch of you going through all kinds of stuff. Ask God. Give you that faith. All right, let's pray. Father, you love us. You've put us here for a reason. That we're alive and for such a time as this. Nothing happens by accident. The situations we're in, you understand, you see. You love McKinley High School. You love McKinley High School far more than I do. You know what's going on. So, Father, help us. Give us faith. Give us the faith to to just not be afraid. Give us faith to just be still. Just give us that faith, God. Wherever we are, in whatever situation my friends are in, wherever they are, God, as they ask you for faith, we just give them faith. So that they can see what you're going to do in their situation. That they would see your deliverance. They would see you fight for them. We just thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.